0: So
1: I agree. We really got to the meat of the great. fruit of the tree of, of knowledge. Yes. And
0: I also, I also really appreciate I'm not going to live that one down. Am I? <laughs> no,
2: That's yours. Just own it.
1: Welcome to C Lab, the Customer Education Lab, where we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate the myths and bad advice like fruit flies on a trash can. I'm Adam Evermescu, and I'm Dave Darrington, and welcome
2: Lincoln Murphy. Hey, thanks for having me. This is awesome.
0: Uh, we're glad to have you here um, today. We always do this thing; it's a tradition. We do the National Day of. Today is National Education Support Professionals Day. How appropriate. Wow. Um, Hi to our friends in uh, Learning Ops. Indeed. Uh, and we have a couple of alternatives if, uh, if you're into Mickey Mouse. It's National Mickey Mouse Day and National Vicious Day. So, sounds great. I haven't had a lot of lunch today. Uh, okay. Let's get into this. Um, this is a special episode. Lincoln, You know, we're really thankful to have you on this today marks a new series of podcasts for us. So we just hit episode 50. This is 51. We're transitioning into expanding our conversation. And Adam and I have both worked in CS orgs. In fact, I worked with you. We had a brief overlap at Gainsight. And we want to pivot our conversation into the land of customer success. Uh, Having spent time at Gainsight, Adam, you've spent time in working with customer success teams pretty extensively as well. We feel this discussion is interesting uh, because, okay, one, I have a copy of your book that you co-authored on customer success sitting by me. I have to have mm-hmm. you sign it someday. Sure, got it above me. I'm looking up at it right now. <laughs> we're looking. <laughs> it's the we, appropriate we place, place to, keep,
1: uh, to keep such literature. <laughs>
0: um, so we like this to be less formal. We really just sure. want to get inside your head and we want you to tell us what you've been up to and then we've got a series of questions around. So we're going to turn the mic over to you. And can you give us a background of what you've been up to over the past few years? You know, what you're seeing, you know, about your company, 16 Ventures, we'd really like to to get to the heart of where you're coming from and how you're fitting into the customer success universe these days.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, it's, it's the last, uh, well, this year, uh, 2020 Mm
0: -hmm. has
2: been about five years worth of, uh, worth of change and evolution uh, in, you know, in, in the companies that I work with and uh, how I approach things. it's It's been interesting. So you know, it's almost like, you know, what happened in the before times is not uh, as relevant as just what's happened in the last you know, year or so. Um, you know, look, I, I, the last, uh, you know, who knows, since when I left Gainsight in 2016, I just, I went back to doing consulting
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, at my company, 16 Ventures. And, you know, I've worked with, you um, uh, lots of companies around the world of all different sizes and shapes. And, and, you know, I always say that while I, I like to think that I bring some expertise and some experience to the table, you know, I'm also learning a lot from, from the companies yeah. that I work with and, and seeing things. Um, and, and that's a really, um, that's, that's of course helped shape, um, the way that, that my view of customer success has evolved. And what I, you know, the my idea of customer success is, you know, very simple. It's when your customers achieve their desired outcome through their interactions with your company, and that really hasn't changed in in a, in a very
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, in, in much in very substantially over the last few years. Um, the the key element there being desired outcome, and but that just over the last few months uh, during COVID, desired outcome. My my definition of that has changed, and. Oh. Uh, Just, you know, just a a little bit, but enough to where I think it's, it's material. Um, Desired outcome historically uh, was this concept of um, required outcome plus appropriate experience. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was okay. I mean, you know, yeah, it's a little redundant with desired outcome being, you know, made up of required (laughs) outcome, but you know, whatever, it's stuck. And, and, but then uh, once we got into COVID and, and a lot of things you know, just had to become crystal clear in terms of what we were providing our customer. Required outcome was not enough. It wasn't, wasn't a strong enough or, or, or straightforward enough term. So I've actually gotten rid of that. And I just say result, (laughs) nothing fancy. (laughs) Yeah. Like what does our customer need to, uh, need to do? What do they need to achieve? Um, so we talk about result and then we talk about appropriate experience, but even, that um, has has changed. Um, appropriate experience is simply the experience that a customer is going to have that would make them feel like I'm getting what I need in the way that I need it. But you know what was appropriate in January 2020 became completely inappropriate in March, right? Um, right. You know, you might have been, you might have been contractually obligated to go on site with a customer quarterly,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and all of a sudden. It was. Don't you dare come near us, <laughs> right? Um, that's and, and that's you know. It's like it would have been unthinkable for for us not to have the super high touch in person relationship. And all of a sudden, it's like, no, man, we're we're doing Zoom. So, um, right. So it shifted, and and even the weighting of result and appropriate experience shifted to the extent that yeah, appropriate experience not not that important. You know, are you giving us the result that we we. Want or we need? Yes. Okay. Cool. We're good. I think as we've come out of like the initial panic and and stuff, and I don't want to say that we've you know I don't like you know it's not, not completely the now. new normal or <laughs> right. You know, as we've come out of that, that initial panic, though, we're we're at a point where I think the appropriate experience is, is becoming something that's important again, and and in the after times will also kind of be weighted the same or you know equal uh, with with result. But what that appropriate experience is going to be has, has shifted, will continue to shift and will never be the same as what it was. So, you know, that, that's some of the kind of higher level, like things that have, have changed. And, and that's only been in the last, you know, whatever, 10 months,
0: Yeah, nine, 10 months. Um,
2: you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's crazy. So, I mean, yeah, in the last few years are, are one thing, but this has been a wild year, especially from a customer success standpoint. Yeah. So mm-hmm. much, so much has changed so quickly. Yeah.
0: For sure.
1: So Lincoln, I'm really excited that you're on the show. Uh, you know, first of all, we, we refer to your work quite a bit. Um there there's a, a quote of yours that uh it comes from an old uh, service rocket interview that you did with Rob Castaneda where you talk about the importance of uh customer education not just being education on the product, but kind of education on the space. And and that that always sticks mm. with me. The the idea of the desired outcome always sticks with me. Um, and the third lesson I feel like I've taken from you, uh, this might have been from the before-before times, mm-hmm. is when you were commenting on how naming your company uh, Ventures, sixteen Ventures, mm-hmm. uh, ended up getting you into the room with a bunch of VCs <laughs> for some reason. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to take I'm going to take that advice at some point. But uh, yeah. part of the reason why we're excited to have you on the show today is because I mean, customer education, at least the way that we know it today, is going through the same kind of category creation moment that customer Mm. success did in a way like customer education the way that we talk about it uh, and the way that the community has been building up is if i draw an analogy customer education is to the old world of education services as customer success was to kind of the old world of account management like they're Mm. related they have some of the same motions but they're pointed at different outcomes in different contexts so we'll definitely have some questions for you around that and around the parallels. And and I'm excited to talk about, you know, what you saw with the evolution of customer success and how we might apply some of those lessons to customer education.
2: Okay. Very cool.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, we'll also talk a little bit, I think, Customer education obviously lives in customer success increasingly. It's being incubated in customer success teams instead of services or even marketing. So we're working to refine this term of customer education. We're working to refine the discipline and define its place in relation to customer success. And, and in fact, one of the things that I always like to say is that you know customer education is the scale engine of customer success if it's done right. So uh, yeah. you know maybe laying out some topics that we'll, we'll dive into.
0: That's. I wanted to add in here too. I love the word incubated, because mm-hmm. you know, you know, Lincoln. I was there. I wasn't there really in the early days of Gainsight, but I felt it. I came in. What was I? I came in about 2015, and it was this palpable energy, this real excitement about a category, a field that it was. It's not new, but it is new, and there's mm-hmm. energy behind it and character. And I and I feel like. We are starting to, to externalize and converse about what how education happens in this space. And it's different and it's unique. We're born out of customer success. I've got the DNA all running through me every day, right? I mean, all the stuff I learned at Gainsight and beyond and the people I network with, it's it's warped my thinking <laughs> in a way. I don't. Think, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's a. <laughs> You'll bad never thing. be the same again. <laughs> I will never be the same again because I'm always thinking about like the customer success manifesto, the things we mm-hmm. need to do. The, you know, we're we're there to help the customer. We need to channel the voice. That and we built a manifesto about that. So, but one of the things that really, and Adam, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I'm speaking as me, is that I feel like we're a bit other. Mm-hmm. And and in fact, he and I were talking about this today because my team is currently in customer success under professional services. But positioning, you know, where you live in the organization is particularly interesting. Um, and if I can put this another way, I think one of the challenges that plagues plagues SaaS, and, and we've been starting to use XaaS instead because it's even expanding further. It's straightforward. Your new company, you're moving really fast. You're getting venture capital, seed funding in, in different rounds, hopefully, and your team members know about the product. This is how education starts at companies, and I'm sure you've seen this, where you go, okay, well, some person who is really good, let's say Jane comes up out of support, she knows everything, or John is in implementation and, and he's seen all the things. You just have training happen, and then CSMs tend to train. And then, somewhere around the 150 to 300 person mark, you get into this crazy town where I called it a death spiral in my notes, where CSMs are training more and more and more and they are excited mm-hmm. about it. But we're here now, where an education team's appeared. And mm-hmm. now we're trying to, and this is kind of the setup. Um, we're still training people one on one, but we're trying to get to scale and there's chaos, right? And we're trying to get synergy. So, I guess a warm up question I might have is, in your mind, when when I say we say customer education, what does that evoke? I mean, wh- what context do you have from your position as an evangelist, a consultant, a thought leader? How does that how does that kind of fit in?
2: Yeah, I mean, to to me, uh, I see. So I, I sort of look at things from a I don't know a little bit. I start out with a higher level picture of it, and, and I see education as something that's going to happen uh, at at various points across the entire customer Mm lifecycle, and as just part of that life cycle. So I don't immediately go to a particular modality of training. I don't, I don't go to a particular, um, yeah, we'll just say, you know, a a way that you're going to train your customer, whatever that looks like. I don't go there. I just look at it as this is, this has got to be a part of it and you know, to, to your your point from earlier, um, when you know you're you saying something that I'd said around, you know, it's not just about product training; it's about training the customer uh, really on on all of the 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 context that it's it, that surrounds just the functional use of our product. Um, wow. That that's a, that's going to happen again, like at various parts of the lifecycle. And to me, where where we start to where we go from there is to that, the, the appropriate experience aspect of desired outcome. We know the result that the customer needs to achieve, right? Most companies know that, like that's, that's kind of what we built our product around initially. The The problem is a lot of companies and, in, in, you know, use the example of the startup, um, you know, that's, that's just, you know, they, they're, they're starting out and they're, they're running a million miles an hour. <laughs> they're focused on the result that they can mm-hmm. give their customer at some point customers start saying hey this is you know this is a great functional product but man you know it the <laughs> the experience is terrible so then you have to start listening to them or they start churning out and that's that's also by the way kind of the first lesson in oh experience matters you know like they're getting the result they're looking for but when your yep. first customer that's getting the result churns out you go this is not good so you start to see that the experience is really important And, and once you understand how important it is, then it will start to guide all of your decisions or should, you know, all of your, at least your customer facing decisions, including how do we train our customers? What, what should we train them on functional product centric stuff, things that have to do with just, uh, you know, sort of bridging what I call the success gap, which is Mm -hmm. you can functionally use my product, but you may still not get the result you're looking for, you know, um, I, I use the email marketing as, as the, the simplest example of that. I can go into an email marketing product. Uh, I can add my mailing list. Um, I can write an email. I can send the email and uh, functionally it looks like I was successful. Right. I yeah, did, did all, all the things. things. Yeah. Was I, <laughs> did I get <laughs> the result I was looking for? You yeah, know, measuring prob- outputs, right. not outcomes there. Right. Exactly. Right. So I, and here's the thing. The product, and while products like this are getting more and more sophisticated, you know, I still have to know how to write an email that gets a result. Uh, I still have to know uh, how to write a subject line that's going to get people to open that email. I still need to have a landing page that's going to you know, convert that, that person that's clicked over to it you know, to, take, you know, to take the action that they need to take. Those are all things that, uh, what I call, the, you know, that's the success gap. I can give you the functional product. And I can I have two choices. I can either leave you, you know, on your own, and and you can use the product until it doesn't work anymore, and then you go to the mm-hmm. another email marketing platform, or I can recognize that in order to get the result you're looking for, I need to provide you with something else that's going to you know give you that additional context so you can actually be successful with this with within your relationship with me as the vendor. Um, now, how I do that, how I give that to you, what that looks like—the training—that's part of the appropriate experience. Mm-hmm. So we need to understand our customers. Now, like I said, in COVID times, you know, where we went, where we might have had a new customer send ten of their people out to our our campus to do in-person training for for a week, eh? Maybe not now, right? Maybe it's gone <laughs> to maybe it's gone to Zoom. We're still going to do yeah. live training, but it's. It's on, uh, it's, it's online or maybe we've, where we might've done a lot of, uh, zoom training or, or, or whatever we used before COVID. Um, now I don't have enough time to do that because everybody that was doing the live training in, you know, in a group now they're on online. So now I have to do like asynchronous training. Maybe I'm doing using cloud app or or loom or something like Mm -hmm. that to send Mm -hmm. these, these short messages. And, and, you know, maybe that's augmenting a library of, of longer form videos. So, yeah, I mean, we have to understand what does our customer need? And then we, we design essentially the appropriate experience for them. And that applies across the entire lifecycle and all of our different touch points. Customer education simply being one of those very important touch points along the way.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really great framing, Lincoln. And I think one thing that people tend to get wrong about this is, you know, they kind of to your point, they think about format first. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they think about format first, that also means that sometimes what they're designing around is not actually the appropriate experience for the customer, but rather the experience that they, the the purveyor, you know,
0: think <laughs> is appropriate. What you're saying so there Adam, ends up being a mismatch. So you're yeah. saying, Adam, maybe I hired an instructional designer. And then they go out and articulate this really fine, detailed, beautiful thing, but it wasn't what the customer needed at the time.
1: Yes, or maybe you have a CSM, and the mm-hmm. CSM is really insistent that the customer get you know on-site training because they perceive it as being personalized and um, mm-hmm. you know more, uh, you know, kind of kind of deeper adoption driver for the account. But that's not actually what the customer wants. The customer wants something that's going to scale out to other employees and going and doing an onsite training actually isn't the right
2: way to do that. Right. So all places, that's an, that's an important distinction um, and I, I tend to look at that as the need to over deliver. We have, we have um, big customers who we feel like because they're big and because they pay us a lot, they deserve this, you know, a lot, or, or maybe, you know, that's almost an altruistic way of looking at, uh, if we don't give them a lot, they'll leave. Mm -hmm. And so we tend to over deliver and we tend to look at that as being something positive. The problem with over delivering in this context, in the, in the, in the business to business context is that we're not over delivering. We're misdelivering. We're giving them the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So to your point, a big complex customer might absolutely want, um, it, something that would seem like what we would give a, a low revenue customer a, a customer that has you know has more of a self-service relationship with us but that's right. what they want it's what's appropriate right. so yeah we we got to get out of our own way in some of these <laughs> things
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so maybe this this kind of frames up a, a different articulation of the question this will kind of take us down the the, la- the line to the fireworks factory uh so how can how can customer education professionals we have a lot of customer education professionals who listen to those customer education leaders how can they best support getting customers to their desired outcome if they had
2: to pick kind of like, I don't know, one way of thinking about it to start? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, I kind of, that get that question a lot just from a customer success standpoint. And and I would say we have to start with the customer. We have to understand uh, what do they need and and how do they need it? And how do they need to receive that? So, um, you know, again, we, we can't start with format. We can't, I would say, you can't even really start with, what we're gonna what we're gonna teach them, um, we need to go back and understand what it is the customer is trying to achieve and and, and all of that. So, start with the customer. Um, it sounds so obvious. It sounds so simple, <laughs> but I repeat it constantly because people just have a tendency. And it's not it's not a bad. I mean, they're not doing they're not on purpose doing something wrong. We just have <laughs> a tendency not to start with the customer, and so start there. And and again, now we get into segmentation and things like that. Not all of our customers are the same. So, you know, that's one of the places we have to start is, um, you know, do do we have some logical groupings of customers based on a shared experience? You know, yeah. so some customers are going to want that higher touch education uh, and some are going to be okay with self-service and, and some are going to have, you know, both a mixture. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Let, let me ask you a, a sub question that yeah. on that. So if, so, so Lincoln, let's put on your consulting hat Yes. and th- this is a, a question and like, I know how I try to solve this, but I'm really curious from your perspective. Okay. We need to determine that desired outcome. What are kind of in broad strokes? If you have an engagement with a customer, what are the first kinds of things that you do to get that customer information? Is that a survey? Is that calling people? Are you looking at support data from like Zendesk? what do you find the most valuable within that to get that, get to that outcome?
2: Probably, uh, all, 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 or, or some of those, depending upon what we have, you know, generally speaking, unless we're starting from absolute scratch, mm. uh, which, you know, I just don't usually come in that early. Um, would, it'd be nice sometimes, but you are, <laughs> you are, you know, it's a trade off cause you're lacking that, that context. Uh, but you do get to start planning things uh, from the beginning. Uh, you Generally, you know, you come in. There's we already have a lot of customer data, so we generally know a lot more about our customers than we think we do. Um, and yeah. so I kind of have you know a framework where we start looking at, uh, at at what we have and and looking for those patterns. Um, we're going to look for things like uh, you know company customer company uh, characteristics. Uh, we're going to look at, at use cases, um, yeah, yeah, things, things like that. So we're going to get a a picture of, you know, a better picture. So we can start, like I said, grouping our customers together by essentially a shared set of characteristics. Um, and that's going to be able to tell us, okay, these companies, even though they may not be in the same industry, they're all sort of this size and, and, um, and, and, have these he have these other characteristics, and we can kind of group them together. One of the things that I like to do. Um, so it, you, you said my consultant hat. Actually, generally, I'm putting on, I'm taking my consultant hat off and putting on my detective hat. Oh, is it's it's kind of uh, you know we have to do some digging around. We have to do some uh, some yeah some detective work here. And one of the things that we can do is is look at um, other other products or services that our our customers use that are similar to to us. So we're not looking at competitive products necessarily. Right. Looking at adjacent products. So you know if I have a if if I have a, a customer, um, you know, two customers that are just to you know try to get a grouping here that um that all are using uh let's, let's go back to email marketing. Yeah. Um they're using us for email marketing. Um but they you know they're also using like a and I don't know you know, if we're talking about marketing, they're using another customer engagement platform. They're using uh, an analytics platform, and and all of these things are purchased by the marketing department. Um, what I'm going to do is is look at those things and see, you know, how similar we are to that in terms of price. And and like I said, they're 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 purchased by the marketing department. So. I'm going to be able to say, okay, we're pretty much adjacent to those products. Now, what I can do is go to these these customers and say, hey, I, I know you guys are using this analytics product or or this this other you know marketing engagement type of product. What what's been your experience with them? And then they're going to say things like, oh, you know, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's okay. They won't get on the phone with me. That's that's been kind of a problem. Or you know, they're they're. they're they don't really offer much in terms of training. And then you can, you can use your active listening skills to, you know, mm-hmm. dig deeper. Well, that's interesting. What would you like to see with a training program, you know, or, or what is it about them not getting in on the phone that kind of is kind of bothering you? You know, I can infer from that, but go into detail. And then, you know, you kind of shut up and listen and they'll start telling you things about what they would like in an experience with those companies. And you say, okay, well, since we're adjacent to them, they would probably like the same experience from us. Or a different, exp- you know, whatever they're, they're telling us, they would like, this is what they would like. So, you know, we have to get a little bit, uh, you know, do some detective work. That's that plus all of the the characteristic information we have plus usage information, um, use cases and things like that. Mm-hmm. We can pull together a pretty strong, uh, at least hypothesis about how we should be engaging with our customers.
0: Oh, yeah. He, Adam, you heard he used the word hypothesis. Yeah. I love being a good <laughs> hypothesis. We are, we are the customer. It makes me sound smart after all. Yeah, oh, exactly. we know you're smart. But I mean, there's, there's uh, what I really we really enjoyed working at Gainsight and now at Outreach and other companies we've worked with is that scientific trend, you know, the tendency to say, I'm going to make a hypothesis and I'm going to try to prove it with data. It's that that kind of wraps up what I like to see in. Asking customers what they really want, and you know, I've done things like run surveys, or actually, we picked up the phone and talked to some of them in different cohorts, and learned so much. So that, that's that's
2: great. Yeah, I mean, and just on surveys, I mean, what I surveys are are, are great for finding out things you don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The, what I like to do is just start with what we do know, and and we we generally know a lot more than than we um, than we think we do, and then there's ways to find out things. It, without surveying the customer until we have, have sort of reached the end of what we can gather on our own. And then we can go to the customers and, and of course, do more discovery, but also validate our findings. And, right. and that's, that's, I think, a much more powerful way. A lot of people want to jump to a survey. Um, I also don't want to jump to a survey at first. If I have a cohort of customers, what I'm going to try and do is start a conversation. So, you know, don't survey your entire customer base. Find 10 or 20 people that are willing to talk to you. But, you you know, that's hard.
0: (laughs) Well, it is, but you totally validated it because that's what I did at Gainsight when I was coming in to build the education program from first principles. I started with admins because, I don't know, if you were there at the time, you knew how hard the product was for admins to learn. Yeah. And what I talked to a bunch of our team, ProServe, CSMs, and they gave me angled in on certain individuals and certain areas who were having good success and bad success in the middle of the road. But having those conversations with people and like, i I felt like, yeah, detective, but I almost felt more like a therapist. Sometimes um, you got to take your detective hat <laughs> off and put like, it on your therapist hat. Okay. You better have a lot of hats. Yeah, I, you, I, you got, got your investigative journalist one too, David. <laughs> yes. I, yes. on. I, I love that one. <laughs> oh, okay, we we could dwell on this one forever. Let's let's come up with some some other questions here. The next one that we had on our minds that we were curious about is, uh, we um, we see that you recently created a Udemy course, mm. and we're really curious. You know, online mm-hmm. on-demand courses are now all the rage. What's your experience been like with that? How's it presenting for you? Um, I didn't, it's not great. (laughs) (laughs) Great to be
2: honest. Yeah. I mean, look, Udemy came came to me like like, middle of last year and said, Hey, we want to, we want to create a customer success course for our uh, business subscribers. Um, And I said, okay, I really don't want to like make it public uh, because it's just this kind of thing is fraught with, uh, with issues. Um, you know, putting something out that's relatively inexpensive and for public consumption, uh, will tend to come with, you're not by definition, you're not going to be able to be very specific with any, you know, Mm -hmm. with your, with what you're talking about. Um, and, and so I haven't really promoted it much. Uh, Udemy promotes it to their subscribers. It was kind of their thing. Um, and you know, it, I went along with it. I've I've probably made enough money off of it to pay about back about a third of what it cost to fly to San Francisco to do it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it look, I mean, it was an overview of customer success. You know, the main complaints have been, it's not specific enough, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't know how you get specific for everybody. Um, but the other thing is it's, it's much more, um, it's it's too high level. And one of my problems with, um, with getting too specific on training has, has been, um, that's, I didn't want to be the guy that told you, Hey, do this. And then you go try it and it doesn't work.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: from a, maybe that's my consulting hat <laughs> or, <laughs> or whatever, but you know, it's, 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 and you guys probably mean from a, from a training standpoint, this is probably something you you deal with a lot. Um, you know, how do you say something that, that is generic enough for people to, to understand, but specific enough, you know, to make them make it resonate. And I just never felt like I could really strike that, that balance. Lately. I've, I've been doing more, um, with my clients on, on CSM specific training that, that doesn't have anything to do with strategy and, and really, you can implement these things. These are very, very low-level tactics. You can implement these things even if the company you work for really has no structure, you know, has no, uh, no processes in place. You know, if you're just a CSM that wants to, to take control of what you're doing, you know, that's, that's what I've been, been focused on. Um, and I think that's, interestingly, dropping down to that level is actually more effective Um, and I just, I didn't realize that. So this whole thing has been an interesting, um, study for me into, into how to, how to create training. So I have that's not something I put out publicly. It's just stuff we've been doing with, with my clients, um, which has been, been working out really well. So yeah, it's, um, it, you know, it it was an interesting experience. Udemy was great to work with, but, uh, it wasn't really my idea and, um, I, you know, I wouldn't do it again.
0: <laughs> well, I think on on-demand content is particularly hard. Exactly for the con- the the thing you said, getting the specificity, getting the the bespoke custom nature is what say what some customers I, I'm working with grappling this with right now. With this right now, we have a lot of customers that say, "Hey, well, we want this bespoke custom thing," but then sometimes when we actually get into that motion and we're engaging with the customer. And in fact, uh, my training manager said we calculated it's about. Eighty percent of the trainings we do are really gener- generic, yeah. even though somebody's asking for it to be specific to them. So, what our strategy is, we've split the difference. We do a lot of on-demand work, getting as as detailed as we possibly can get. But then we have different grades of content, and that's where you're, you know, Udemy is what it is. It's a MOOC. Our yeah. on-demand concept content is similar. We can only go so far because what you miss in the on-demand is that personal touch, that integration, that they be able to ask questions and and go deeper. So you know, that's what
2: it is for sure. And, and so, so, one of the things we've been doing uh, is is adding that that personalized touch by by throwing some uh, some async videos, like, you know, like like you said, looms or or, or cloud app videos around, um, sort of canned generic. Content, you know. So if we have training that's that sort of right. really generic, a, a CSM or or somebody else can be like, you know, hey, hey, specific client, um, <laughs> I want you to watch this video, but but here's a couple of things you can do to take that and apply it to your uh-huh. unique situation. That's a really cool way uh, yeah. of, of of working. The other thing is, and this applies. And so the the Udemy thing is hard because it's just really. It, it's, it's such a generic audience, you know, for, for what we're doing inside of a company to our customers, we can obviously, and, and hopefully be much more specific. Clearly you can't get specific enough, you know, to the, to the, to the customer level. We still have to be general, but at least it's not like, you know, crazy general. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but one of the things we do with just generic products or product in, uh, processes in in general. So we're, let's say we're, we're working a customer through onboarding. We're going to walk that customer through a process that is basically the same for every customer. How do we keep them engaged in that? What well, we keep them focused on, on their desired outcome, literally keeping them focused on what the result is they want to achieve and like, you know, laying out clearly that this is the process to get there, but always keeping their eye on the ball, the ball being the result, the prize, the, the thing that they they want. That's what motivates them. And that's how we can motivate them through a generic process. Or, or I would say we could apply that same principle to, and we have to a more generic training. So, you know, setting it up, positioning it the right way, mm-hmm. telling them this training is going to help you get to this point. And, and that's, I think, a really important um, positioning element.
1: Yeah, you're, you're pointing at something really interesting here, Lincoln, I think, because if you if you reduce this, you've got the idea of like when someone asks for something that's super bespoke, sometimes they're asking from a relevant standpoint, but sometimes what they're really just asking for is tactics. They want a script to follow tactics yep. to do, but there's no framework for those tactics. So if that's the model, you've got an inherent tension between framework and tactics. And you need a way to make sure that, you know, the tactics level up to a framework that actually makes sense. And, you know, people have a, a, a schema and, you know, valleys for it to fall into, you have to be able to, to make sure that if you only give them tactics, well, they're going to pick up those tactics. And to your point, it's not going to be relevant to them. If you yeah. only give it, give them the framework, this is kind of what it sounds like you're describing in the Udemy course, where it's not really going to resonate with people when they try to specifically, uh, bring those skills into the world. So I, I like that you're, you're really pointing it at yeah. the intersection of both of those.
2: Yeah. It's, and it, I, you know, it's something that I thought I, if I went back, I would say that I, I sort of knew that, but to sort of experience it really firsthand, uh, it really opened my eyes to that. I, I, I like to think I'm somebody that doesn't have to experience something firsthand to understand it. Um, but there are things that you can, that until you do, you don't, you don't really, really get it and and mm-hmm. i think I, I think i understand it better now because of all that yeah totally makes sense um,
1: just getting getting hands on you you get a you get a deeper appreciation and understanding of of the problem for sure so i think this kind of this pivots us a little bit too we're thinking about the you know the evolution of the field and and how someone teaches customer success to to new folks coming into the the field and how people learn and and, uh, and grow with these concepts you know, one thing I've seen you do, Lincoln, is, is kind of play the role of, uh, of uh, the truth teller. You've, you've taken aim at a lot of CS leaders and, and thought leaders out in the world who, who claim to be experts, but maybe don't actually know what they're talking about. And, and yeah. so I'm curious, you know, customer education is, I would argue, you know, a few years behind customer success in terms of the evolution of our industry and our community uh, this is sort of a, an if you could turn back time question, but also maybe some some advice for those of us in customer education. What can we do to to combat the the same thing from happening in our own community?
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know that you're gonna you're, you're not gonna stop it from happening. There's there's a lot of there's people have have their own. I don't I don't even know how to say it. Like um, <laughs> there are people that have. A desire to be relevant in a particular field, whether it's money driven or ego driven, um, and and as a field starts to become bigger, you know, like it's it's starting to attract attention, then then those those things are going to start to happen. So, in customer success, early on, you know, everybody's kind of playing nice and <laughs> um, and and trying to build the you know the the industry, trying to build. Uh, the category. And then, and then money starts flowing in and all of a sudden you get people coming in that, that don't seem to have that same interest in mind. They, they really just have their own interest. Um, And, and you start seeing this, this, you know, Different factions and 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 it's it was just a it's a weird thing. And I don't think it's unique to customer success. I think you will experience that in customer education. I am sure that you experience this in every industry. The the thing for me though is I never was a part of an industry from essentially the beginning. Yeah, customer success was around since like two thousand one, but when I came into it, it was really not because of me necessarily, but just the timing was such that it was pretty much the beginning of the industry as we know it sort of in modern times. Okay. Um, so I got to see this firsthand and it was wild, man. I mean, um, <laughs> and I, and I got to see it in like, so, you know, I, I did a lot of work in, in Brazil where it was literally, you know, one company doing this. Um, and now you have people, it's so a one company doing this in 2015 and now you have people, you know, on LinkedIn that have been doing customer success in Brazil for 20 years. So <laughs> it's,
1: um, it, it's that, just, uh, was that RD station?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hizutau's Digitized was the was the first company that 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 was doing customer success there and they brought me down for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know, I I I went back to Brazil. Uh my last trip was in January of this year and you know, it was like my 14th or 15th trip there. So I mean, I I I spent a lot of time there and it was very interesting to um to, to see. So I mean, talk about, you know, being there for the kind of the beginning of an industry and then watching it almost a secondary beginning of an industry in in another you know, developing economy, very, very yeah. interesting stuff. Um, cool. So I got to see that stuff happen first firsthand in a way that, you know, yeah, maybe this happened in sales, but like I wasn't around in the 1800s. So <laughs> I didn't get to, <laughs> I didn't get to see it happen. Um, look, you know, again, people see money, they're going to do stuff. What are they going to do? Well, they're going to copy other people's work and pass it off as their own. That's the simplest way. And that's yeah. one of the things that I, I like to call people out on because I think it's a, it's a bunch of crap. Um, and, and it's happened in the customer success a lot. Now, is it just that I'm mad that people take my work and make money off of it? Maybe. Is it, <laughs> but, but there's a secondary problem with that. And you mentioned the book that I was a part of. Um, that book was written in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was published in early 2016. Why does that matter? Cause that was like five years ago. Um, it was, it was a long time ago in this industry. Mm -hmm. Before that uh, we put out a a training program at Gainsight uh, customer success management certification program. Um, You know, probably the first one Um, that was then handed off to other people to manage. and, And if you look at a lot of the training out there, it's all derivative of that work from like 2014. Yeah. Why? So the problem isn't that you're taking stuff that I did and, 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 and other people did and passing it off as your own. Yes, that, that's, that sucks. You shouldn't do that, but you're actually holding back an industry by passing off old outdated stuff as like new content, new training, new material. You're you're bringing up a a whole generation of new CSMs using stuff from 2014. And, and that's, that's what pisses me off. That's why I, I get upset by that. It's not just about me, it's about the industry. Um, but then it just looks like I'm, I'm, I complain a lot and whatever. But you know, part of my positioning is that sort of truth <laughs> teller, and, and so I don't really care. Um, you know,
0: i laugh. At not so popular. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I feel like we fall into the same kind of thing where we're constantly, lear- the thing that we talked about when we, when we started talking today was you had mentioned that you're always learning. And I think that's a big differentiator in leaders and people that are out there and actually promoting that cutting edge and trying to get people to understand that. And with C-Lab, look, we're practitioners. We do this every day for a living. We, we do this, this podcast because we're learning and there's a whole up, like groundswell of people like us who have no guidance. They have no help. And I think this is where the sensitivity comes from for us is because it's, Really easy to get one or two individuals now early on when there are maybe three or four. And if they're not resonant and we're not collaborating and working together and playing nice, like you had said before, mm-hmm. at first to get things going, great. And one thing we're careful of and we try to do is give attribution. So if you were to say yeah. something, we use that quote. I'm going to say, look, Lincoln Murphy did this. We're not stealing his work. We're giving him appropriate attribution and carrying right. it forward. And maybe say, we would expand on this by saying X. But I think we're with you, Adam. You know, There's nothing that.
2: wrong. Yeah, attribution and, and and taking work and and expanding on it—that's awesome. But mm-hmm. there are literally people out there that have not done that. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's, that's the irritating. Not point. good. Um, yeah,
1: I think that's yeah. that's an issue. And and so as I think, speaking from speaking from a place that that has nothing to do with your lived experience, right? Like if you're trying yeah. to come up with what is customer success from. From the abstract and, and never having done the work, like you're not mm-hmm. really in a you're not speaking from a position of credibility, are you
2: right. And and the problem is, and so I talk a lot about confidence with my CSMs. Um you know, confidence is such an important aspect. And you know, I always make the 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 comparison that that you know con artist, the con <laughs> and con artist means confidence. <laughs>
0: That's
2: and, true. And and you know, don't forget that a lot of people can get away with a lot of things by simply being confident. And when you didn't have to go through that lived experience, and you didn't have to spend the hours coming up with this concept, you have a lot more energy to to be confident. Um, In fact, I think those of us, I'm not gonna speak for anybody else, for myself, the more that I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And so actually, over the years, my confidence level has gone down (laughs) because I'm like, wait, wait, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, like it's, it's, it's kind of a, a wild ride. So, you know, it's just, like I said, it's not just about me being upset that they're, cause it's not just my stuff that people take. I mean, if, if it was, maybe that'd be different, but I just see it. People passing everybody else's work off as their own. And and then um, that just continues to spread. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that took took off was just as a, a quick example was, you know, the ratio of of, of revenue per se or not ratio, but like how much revenue a CSM should manage.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, a VC said this like 10 years ago, um, that a, a CSM should manage $2 million in ARR. Mm. Cool story, bro. What's the context there? Like, and, and, and how does that apply? It's just, but it's one of those things that has just stuck. Why has it yeah. stuck? Not because he said it 10 years ago, but because people repeat it so often. And then people use that as the basis for their own like training and, and their own, you know, talking points. And it just uh, perpetuates. So, yeah, so it's that kind of wisdom. thing. Right, right. When in fact, maybe it worked for the company he was talking about, but I'm not even sure that it would have worked back then. And I don't even know the context of it. Maybe it was he said this doesn't work, but, but we heard the number and we just passed <laughs> off. So the the bottom line is, you know, what you guys need to be careful of is that you have um, those kind of people that are that are taking your work and passing it off as their own. Make you know, sort of keeping then what you have, what you've bypassed you know, in, in your evolution, keeping those things still, unfortunately, relevant in the market. And then you're going to have just, uh, you know, potentially legacy players in the education market that are going to try to keep yeah. their message, again, relevant. And, and they might do that by, by talking down about what you're doing. So this is almost a, you, you guys got to be in for a fight, and, and I don't mean it in a negative way, like, like, but, but there may be some situations where you're going to have to be like, are we in this? Yes. Okay. Then we got to power through this. You know, don't worry about their nonsense. You know, they're, they're going to try to drag you down. They're scared of, of change. All right, cool. I understand where they're coming from. Um, my advice to you would be honestly to probably not engage. Uh, I just had a, um, I'll be, I'll just be straight up with you. I, I had a, um, a, a, prospect say that he watched a, a YouTube video of mine and was concerned about my tone because it felt oh. very com- combative. And I was like, "Wait, wait, are there consequences to things that we do online?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you know, I had to explain to him that that I was being combative to the the sort of the consultants and the experts out quote unquote experts out there in the customer success world, not necessarily you know to practitioners. Um, but I was like, Oh, Hmm. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. So, you know, my advice to you would be to just be careful there that you don't position yourself that way. I don't think overall that I'm necessarily, that I've done that, but, but there, I can see where that could be where someone could interpret things that way.
0: We, or, we or straight up understand
2: though.
0: it. <laughs> right, we don't,
1: yeah. we won't be like the wrestling heels either. Uh, you know, just, no, just being contentious no. for the sake of it. But I think it makes it more important. Like what I'm really taking from your advice here is, you know, building this community and highlighting the great work of people who are doing the work and who are discovering yes. new and innovative things, like being able to give more of a voice in a platform to the people who are doing the cutting edge work seems like it's going to be, you know, most important. It is.
2: So. Absolutely. Yeah. Build that community around you. Um, empower them, um, you know, lift them up in in, a, in, a, in an authentic way that's that's truly based on on helping them. And I think you're gonna you're gonna be in a great place.
0: We love it.
1: All so right, let's, let's continue this heel face turn and uh, maybe yeah. ask a few questions about the, the relationship between customer education and customer success.
0: Yeah, how about we do a uh, lightning round? We've only got, I don't know if you can go, can you go over a little bit, either of you? Probably? I have a couple
2: no. minutes, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, good. We, we, we won't push it too far, but okay. let's do this. Uh, we've got four more questions. Let's try to go through them quickly and then we'll uh, wrap up with anything else you'd like to say. So I'll do the first cool. one. How do you see customer education fitting into a customer success strategy?
2: Yeah. So and if I'm looking at a customer success strategy, what am I trying to accomplish? I'm trying to help the customer achieve their desired outcome, the result they're looking mm-hmm. for in their and, and getting that result in an appropriate way. When I call the appropriate experience, customer education is a part of getting them to that, that result. How I deliver that education is part of that experience. So I see customer education, fitting into customer success because it is required to both help them functionally use the product, but also to help bridge any of those success gaps that, that sort of end at the functional use, but end prior to them actually getting the result they need. So we have to fill in those gaps. The, the way that we're going to apply that totally depends on, on the customer's appropriate experience.
1: Great. Excellent. Okay. Question number two. What do you see most of your customer success clients get wrong about customer education? Uh, product focus
2: afterthought. Tell me more. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, we're, we're selling so it yeah, it's lightning it's round. around. Yeah. Nope, it's like a lightning, <laughs> you know, slow lightning. Um, look, yeah, it, it's, it, so it, we're, we're so focused on just, just the product. Um, I would say we're not even focused, you know, if we ah. look at desired outcome, it's, it's, uh, you know, result plus appropriate experience. Most, most companies, you know, at least not initially focus on, they don't focus on appropriate experience. They only focus on result. I would say, actually, that's not even true. Most of the time, they only focus on the functional use of their product, which Mm -hmm. is not necessarily going to get you to the result. So it's product focused. And then the afterthought part is just that, I mean, it's, Oh, is wait, we need to have training, you know, like <laughs>
0: uh, okay <laughs> so then they start you start throwing
2: just random stuff together you know and here's a google doc is like with content some first not you customer th- first yeah yeah. you
0: throw a csm on it and say go make me some training go tr- and exactly. do it. and then that's that's th- this is a perfect answer it's very validating to hear it because i see that all the time and it's and i don't blame anybody for it it is what it is no so no moving really fast but what we're trying to do to to evangelize for is that look if if you follow these tenants on customer education it's very formulaic um and it's not scary and it's not hard and you'll end up with a much better product that talks about best practices and workflows and stuff that's way beyond just the click path, the functional stuff. Yep.
2: Yeah. I think like you said, it's not, people aren't doing things wrong. Like er, they're not intentionally doing something wrong here. It's, they don't know. They're not thinking about it this way. It's not something that, uh, you know, their, their mindset is not built around this. And so, you know, uh, to your, one of the things you're going to have to do is sort of change people's mindset and thinking about like, where does this fit in? Um, Cause I think that's, 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 what's missing there.
1: It's, it's yeah. the curse of knowledge, right? Like if you read um, made to stick by the Heath brothers and they talk about the curse of knowledge, you get a customer success team or a CSM. Who's deeply knowledgeable about the product. Their idea is if I can just get all of this knowledge out of my head and into the customer's head, then they're going to get it. They don't, <laughs> yeah. right? That's not how it works. <laughs> never,
0: great. never works like that.
1: Okay. No. lightning round. Number three,
0: <laughs> okay. number three, Dave. Uh, why do you think more CS teams are starting to invest proactively in customer education?
2: Well, I think, uh, I think the starting to invest is probably the, the, the key word there. Um, I think in, you know, I still say this a lot, you know, with customer success, unfortunately, you know, we still have a lot of companies that are not doing this, but for those companies that are doing this, the reason they're, they're, they're starting to invest in this, uh, is because they recognize, uh, the, the value of this. I, I got asked a question recently of, of why should we do customer success essentially? And I said, money. <laughs> why <laughs> You do it because all it's all right getting, has money. Yeah, Right? I mean, so I want my customers to stay longer. I want them to buy more and I want them to go out and advocate for me so I can bring in more customers to stay longer and buy more. That's the reason I do this revenue and ultimately revenue leading to the value of the company going up. Mm-hmm. The same thing applies here. This is not you know, customer education is not a nice to have. It's not something that you just do because it, it, it feels good. You're doing this because it's going to make the customer successful. They're going to get value uh, and value being in this context, they're going to get the result they're looking for. Uh, and, and you do that because that will cause them to stay longer and buy more and advocate for you, mm-hmm. which means more money. So, I mean, it, that's, that's the simplest thing. If we want executives to buy into this stuff, which is another thing, you know, reason to, to, you have to, we have to understand this so we can get uh, real change to happen. You want executives to buy into this. You want investors to get behind it. You talk about things that matter to them, which is ultimately money. Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's actually why we start the conversation a lot of the time in customer education, not talking about learning objectives, but talking about CAC LTV ratio. Yeah, that's where it starts for a lot of people.
2: I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's not what a, that's not what a CSM is going to care about. It's not what a a customer success manager or or customer education leader is necessarily going to matter, care about, but their metrics will roll up to that KPI. And if it doesn't roll up to that KPI of, of, you know, net revenue retention or something like that, then it doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's, that's how you're going to get funded. Okay. So that actually brings us, I think to lightning round question number four, Let's think about you know CSMs versus centralized customer education. Should CSM spend more time training, and should we invest more in that, or should we invest in training as a centralized function
2: as a customer education team? Yes, depends. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, look, if if you are in a position to, I, I think ultimately, I don't even I don't even want to say yes. You should definitely have a centralized customer education team because maybe that's just not going to matter. That said, so that sort of disclaimer, uh, you know, like matter in, in a, in a, in that, you know, maybe your CSMs have all the time in the world. Like, I just don't want to give a blanket yes to one of those. I would say though, that you need to give a, a, you need to look at this the right way. And so going back to the, you know, the, the, the first question, how do you see this fitting into a, a how do you see education fitting into a, a strategy of customer success Well, if we, if it does fit into that strategy and we understand the value of it, then we're going to invest the necessary resources into it. And if that means, if we look at this whole thing and we figure out, we need a centralized customers education team, um, to augment or, 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 or power the individualized training that our CFOs might be giving, um, then we're going to do that. So we need to just look at what we're trying to accomplish here and, and pick the best structure. Now I say it like that because I don't know. So, I mean, this is where I would turn to experts like you and say, Hey, you know, help me, help me understand what all is available from a Mm -hmm. customer education standpoint. There are things that I may not know about that. So, um, but, but to me, I don't ever want to create an organization type just like I don't want to invest in a tool, you know, until I understand what I'm trying to operationalize. That makes sense.
0: That makes a lot of sense. In Absolutely. fact, I, I think it's gospel. I mean, I don't advocate for anybody to go and build a customer ed- education team if they're asking about it. Because at first, I, I always ask, I, I, uh, one of one of the listeners of this podcast was asking this very question, like, should we build up? What should we do? And I go, well, what I would recommend you do first is talk with your leadership and figure yeah. out what all your goals are. What are your you know, KPIs? What are you trying to get to? And then back into that, it might mean... Hey, you know, you could steal a couple people from different departments and assemble something temporarily until you get a team. Maybe you don't need instructional designers, maybe you don't need trainers, it just depends. But we we tend to think that at a certain level you will start to formalize and get a a grouping and then as you bridge the gap post IPO if you're in a startup or maybe even later if you're a regular company, you may have a formal education services yeah. function. You know, it's an evolutionary thing, I think, is That's my makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I I think that's, I mean, that's that to me, when you give that sort of answer, people don't like it. People don't want to hear it depends. Um,
0: but (laughs) it does,
2: it has to. And And that's a
0: consultative thing. It's not a, no, you're always going to do this. It's a, it, you know, who, who you are matters a lot. If you're a, I've seen, so let's, let's pick up a, uh, an app I love to, to work with. It's called toggle T L G G L. It's a time Hmm. tracking app. They've, they've gone a lot further than that. I don't, don't want to, you know, deprecate or minimize what they've done, but their training is really cool and it's very minimal, but it works great. I don't think they need a training team for that. Gotcha. Right. But then if you're looking at outreach you know, I'm working with right now, it's a platform. It's fundamentally complicated. And it's all about the workflow and the output that you, you know, you want to get to these results. How do you do that? Well, we have frameworks, we have best practices, we have change management. There's a lot more fruit hanging off the tree of understanding. If you were, if you were, <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
2: All right, All that's right. beautiful. Lower Let the us fruiting up the tree of understanding. Oh
0: man, All we right. got a couple of sound bites here. Okay, let's uh, let's go ahead and be cognizant of everybody's time, Lincoln. This is absolutely the conversation that I had hoped to get out of that. Uh, awesome. you, you know, we we look to you as a leader in the industry. We thank you for your time. This has yeah. been a really great. We got to the meat of what we're looking for. We really wanted to open up the space about this interface of of education in the world of customer success. So I agree. We really got to the meat of great. the fruit of the
2: tree of, of knowledge. Yes. And
0: I also I also really appreciate <laughs> I'm it. I'm not gonna live that one down, am I? <laughs> no. That's yours. Just own it. own it. Own it. Get a shirt made. It's mine. Good yes. deal. Love uh, it. Be- before we wrap up, is there anything else? Again, your our audience here is an overlap between customer success. In customer education, primarily customer education practitioners—people making the training. Anything else you'd like our audience to know about about you and what you do? Oh, about
2: me? Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered <laughs> covered me. Um, look, I mean, I, I, to know me is to know that I mean, my my focus is is on the customer and and giving them what they need in order to be successful, and and that means we have to know what it means to be successful from their perspective. And, and that's the desired outcome. And, and, you know, so if if I, if I was going to make a shirt for me, it would be desired outcome is result plus appropriate experience. Uh, just like yours would be something about the tree of knowledge (laughs) and the fruit. So look, I mean, that's, that's, that's really, you know, if you, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Lincoln Murphy. Um, I, I don't say much there anymore. I just, I always get in trouble. Um, but, uh, but feel free to follow me. I I'll, I'll share, I'll share when I post something. Uh, My website is 16 ventures.com all spelled out. Um, and, and that's where I post uh, all sorts of stuff. So you can, you can read my ramblings there about, about customer success processes and strategy. Um, but otherwise I just appreciate you, you have me on here and this was, this was a great conversation, um, about a great topic that I think is, is going to really play out. Um, not to say that, you know, the new normal and, and, you know, the after times are going to be weird or anything, but I think, you know, how this all plays out post-COVID is is going to be interesting. And I think obviously education um, is 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 always important, but I can see it playing even a bigger role going forward.
1: It's good to hear. I love it. What a what a beautiful note to end on. And so, listeners, if you want to learn more, we have a podcast website at customer.education where you can find show notes and other material. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at evermescu.
0: And I am at Dave Darrington, and special thanks to Alan Coda for our amazing theme music. And if this helped you out, our friends, you can help us out. We we really hope that if you have some time and you haven't done it already, uh, rate us, give us five stars on Apple Podcast or whatever podcatcher that you listen to, Overcast, Just mail Stitcher, us Spotify, five star stickers. That I'd like that. I've I've got kids in the house. They love little sticky notes. Um, that really helps us. If you leave a positive review, uh, it helps us even more. Those two things really expose this to other people share this with your friends get the word out we're we're trying like lincoln we're trying to help the customer and help you adam you want to close it out
1: yeah um thank you for joining us uh lincoln thank you so much audience thank you so much and uh go out and educate experiment and find your people
0: thanks everybody